0: grab a seat. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the pastors here at Soul City Church, and we're thrilled that you would be with us tonight, even with a bear's loss. Sometimes we need God more in those times. And so we're glad that you're here. We're actually in the second week of a series where we've been focusing really on one idea that we believe God has led us to that will lead us through this Christmas. One idea that is repeated all in all, over and over again, throughout Scripture some 300 times. In fact, it's really just one word that we're going to be looking at. We want to make it as simple as possible, because I get it. Life's complicated, and Christmas can be crazy at times. And so our thought was, if we could just learn one word this Christmas season, it might change our experience, not only with Christmas, but ultimately our experience and our relationship with God. And so we're camping out on one word, and that word is glory. And uh, we're going to look at it from a lot of different angles. But last week, we kicked off by looking at the glory of God as revealed through the genealogy of Jesus. And if you're not familiar with what that is, that's the first part of the Christmas story that everyone skips over, talking about how Jesus got here. And so we're going to be diving into God's Word, into one specific text this morning. So what I want to encourage you to do right now is grab a pen, maybe something to write with, because we're going to be taking some notes. And and honestly, if if you want to grab a Bible, get that ready, because Uh, There's a few things that God really began to steer us towards last week that we believe he wants to take us even deeper into and closer into his heart this weekend. And so last week what we said is to to talk about one word and to explore and experience this one word of glory throughout the month of December, we need to have a working definition for that word. And so we said, you know, basically glory is this tangible reflection of God's infinite perfection. Glory, which is a big biblical concept, very sort of practically speaking, if, if we were to have a working definition for it, I think it's simply that. As, as seen again and again throughout Scripture, it's this tangible reflection of the infinite perfection of God. It's a glimpse of God that we get, that we see throughout Scripture, and as we're going to explore today, we see throughout our lives. And so this week, we're going to look at a passage where we see God's glory so clearly revealed, and we see it in the highest of high places, and we see it in the lowest of of low places. And our hope is that you would see it actually in your story this weekend. So we're going to grab a Bible and hop in. So if you would please, if you brought a Bible, you can open it to Luke chapter 2. That's the passage we're going to be looking at, Luke chapter 2. If not, there's a blue Bible right in front of you. So everyone has a Bible actually. So if you want to grab that Bible so you can follow along, we say this every week, but we want to make sure that you know this if you're a guest here or new around here. If you want to hear more about or, or, or really decide and determine for yourself who this Jesus is that we keep talking about, We want to let you know that that Bible you have, if you don't own a Bible, that Bible you now hold in your hand is yours. You get to steal a Bible from church at Christmas. That's fun to brag about on Monday. And so if you don't own a Bible and you want to determine and decide for yourself, please steal this Bible. And then what we would ask you to do also is would you grab a pen? We're going to take notes. And this is what we do. Uh, We want you to like, we're going to circle things. We're going to underline things. We're going to write in this Bible. There's not a verse in the Bible that says don't write in the Bible. So we want you to feel the freedom to do that because someone one day is going to steal the Bible that you're writing in. And you're going to give them a head start. And so please, would you grab a pen? We're going to take some notes. We're going to dive into Luke chapter 2. In the Blue Bibles, it's page 716. In the Blue Bibles, it's page 716. Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at this really significant moment in the story of the birth of Jesus. Let me give you a little context before we dive into this passage. The events that we're going to be looking at here this weekend uh, coincide with the actual events of Jesus' birth. That means they're happening at the exact same time. So this is like there were two cameras one would be at the birth of Jesus, and one would be at what we're going to look at this weekend. This happened at the same time. Now, it's very significant what's happening, who it's happening with, and who it's happening to. Because up to, really, the events of the birth of Jesus, the world had experienced the silence of God for over 400 years. Now, we have to, for us, it's just a couple pages that we turn in the Bible, from Malachi to Matthew. But the reality in human history was God... Didn't speak. There were no more prophets. No more vehicles for God to declare who He is and His design for us, His will for us for 400 years. And the events that we're going to look at this weekend involve angels literally appearing and speaking, which I know happens to you on a regular basis. But in this case, in these moments, People hadn't seen or heard from or, or, or interacted with an angel, which happened a lot in the Old Testament, but it had been over 520 years since an angel had appeared on earth. And yet, around the birth of Jesus, it seems to be happening a lot. And so this is one of those moments. And the passage we're going to look at actually is one my hunches you may be very familiar with. It's somewhat of a famous passage. And in fact, my sense is you've already done some study and some work on this passage that we're going to look at, because it's made famous by a a preacher and a theologian uh, from the 1960s whose work you are already familiar with. In fact, we can put his picture up on the screen. This is Linus Van Pelt, great theologian of the 20th century. And if you've watched the Charlie Brown Christmas special, as we just did this weekend with our kids, you know there's that scene where Linus kind of takes over the chaos and says, let me tell them, Charlie Brown. And he begins in his voice and uses the word low and lo, there were shepherds. Okay, that's the passage we're going to look at. And so I could play the clip or we could actually read it from the Bible. Uh, but that passage is what we're going to be looking at. And it's very significant. It's not just the thing for a children's special. It's very significant in the story of God specifically as it relates to the glory of God. So let's dive into Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It says this, and we're going to kind of pause and take notes while we're going through this passage together. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. So nearby means nearby the town, the city of Bethlehem. Remember I said there's two cameras here. So one's on Jesus, but one's on the shepherds nearby. So they're outside the city limits, living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks that night. Now let me just hit pause here. That word living translates to literally living. Living. And I think we can kind of gloss over the Christmas story and what we tend to do so often is we sanitize it and make it safe for TV audiences and we kind of try and make the story as palpable as possible. But listen, the reality is these were real shepherds who really lived outside with real sheep. These are people who spent the majority of their time talking to animals. These are not the kind of people that were invited to parties. In fact, what we know from history is that the position of shepherd while it's actually held by several major figures throughout the Old Testament, culturally, it was one of the lowest positions someone could hold in that culture in that day. It was reserved for people who could not do other profitable or meaningful things in society. So they were relegated to being shepherds. And shepherds were not welcome in Jewish culture that day. One of the most lowest despised positions in culture. Priests wouldn't talk to them or have anything to do with them. They were considered unclean because of the animals that they took care of. The great irony in all that is while the shepherds were not allowed to participate in temple worship, they actually oftentimes would raise the sheep that would be offered in temple worship. So they would bring the lamb to the altar but would not be allowed inside. Legally, they held no standing in that culture. You could walk up to a group of shepherds and literally just steal a sheep right in front of them, walk off with it, And if they were to go and represent their case in a court of law, it would be thrown out. They held no legal standing. They weren't even recognized as citizens in that culture in that day. It was about as low of a position as you could hold. And yet God, not wasting a moment, not wasting a metaphor, chooses to reveal the birth of the Lamb of God, which is what his cousin John would call him years later. The Lamb of God is revealed to shepherds first. Jesus who himself would teach us about his heart and the father's heart would call himself the good what shepherd he is revealing and declaring his glory to a group of outcasts forgotten literally on the outskirts the outside of society this is who god comes to reveal his glory to the lowest of lows but they're not alone they're actually joined by the highest of highs. In fact, if we continue on in verse 9, it says this, An angel of the Lord a- appeared to them. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. Again, you can kind of just read this. That's a pretty big deal. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, to these outcasts, to these lowest of the lows, appears to them. And the glory, underline that word, the glory, because we see it again and again throughout this passage, the glory of the Lord shone around them, was all around them. And they were, what's the word? Terrified. So would you. Think about it. I mean, if you were like walking out here and going to lunch today and all of a sudden, ah, there's just light and like you're in the presence of an angel, you would be a little terrified. You'd be a little terrified. And so you have to imagine these are shepherds who had faced rejection and living on the outside their whole life. And so if that was me, my first hunch would be, what have we done now? God has sent an angel to consume us, to destroy us, to, I don't know, but certainly not to be with us. And here we have the highest of the high meeting with the lowest of the low. And the angel said to them, speaking right into their fear, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. This is a phrase that's repeated again and again and again throughout the Christmas story. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be anxious. Do not be afraid. I bring you what? Good news. I bring you good news that will cause what? great joy. This good news causes great joy. And the next phrase I want you to underline, for all the people. That's a very important phrase. Because throughout the whole Old Testament, God was using the people of God, the Israelites, to be a living metaphor of his love for us. And these were to be his special chosen people that God would sort of work his redemptive love out and through. But again and again and again, they rejected and despised God, just like we often do. And so the angel is declaring that there's something new at work here. There's a new covenant being made. It's for all people, even shepherds, even outcasts, even forgotten ones, even people with a past, even people with a record, even people who assumed their lives meant nothing to God. Now we see God's love and glory on display for all people. Verse 11, the angel says, today, like right now, In the town of David, that's very important, that's Bethlehem. But that reference, as we looked at last week, the town of David is a little hint, a little wink, a little nod to Jesus' kingly right that he had. This is a king coming, but a different kind of king and a different kind of kingdom. But this is Jesus coming to the town of David. That was a prophecy, a very specific prophecy that was fulfilled in the birth of Jesus. In the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the long awaited, the long promised, going all the way back to the Garden of Eden, where God spoke into our first sin and said, There is one coming, there is a way coming that will break death and sin forever. He is coming. And the angel is saying, He's here. Your Messiah is here, the Lord. Verse 12, this will be a sign to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in the manger. Now, I'm a shepherd. I'm not terribly bright. An angel of God is speaking to me, and I'm not dead yet, so I'm going to keep listening. And he says, There's a baby, the Messiah, the one you've been waiting for, the one you've heard about, is here. And let me give you very specific directions as to where he's at in a manger, in a city and I'm out, and that's really all, that's all, the, <laughs> and these shepherds are going like, can we get across street, like, is there something, can you, I'm trying to geo Like, I need this for my Google Maps, no, you can't, this, just go find a baby in a manger, and you'll know, oh, here's a uh, hint, he's in snuggly clothes, oh, okay, that, th- thanks, that helps, we'll write down snuggly blankets, that's very, very helpful, but right then, Gabriel is not alone, Gabriel's joined, in verse 13, suddenly by a great company of heavenly hosts. Literally, an army of angels joins with Gabriel to become a heavenly choir to do what they were already doing in heaven here on earth, to sing God's praise, to declare his what? His glory. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel Gabriel, praising God and saying, what's the words there? Glory to God in the highest heaven. We sang that just a little bit ago. It's written right in our lobby, right when you walk through our front doors. That's the biggest thing you can see. Glory to God in the highest. These are angels who are from the highest. <laughs> they're from heaven. And they're declaring God's glory. Is the highest people of the shepherds that have ever been around. They're the highest creation outside of the Trinity. The angels hold the highest position at this point in the story of God. And they're saying, no, there's one even higher than us. Glory to him. Glory to him. Singing his praises. Lavishing praise on God for what he's done. That angelic praise could not be contained to the confines of heaven anymore. It had to break through. God's glory broke through. The highest of high to the lowest of lows. No king in human history has had this kind of entrance. The kings would make a big deal about who they are and where they came from and how they got here, but no king in human history before Jesus or since has had angels declare their birth no king, and yet this king is born into the humility of humanity, the highest of high and the lowest of lows. Do you see what God is doing here? The glory of God being found in the trenches of our story, of our world, and the angels can't stop singing about it, and so they declare glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace is the word, peace, underline that word, let me get an amen if you could use a little peace in your life right now, peace, especially at Christmas time, peace, To those on whom his favor rests. In other words, there is now peace between God and man. Peace between us and God. Peace where sin had once ruled. Now peace rules because there's a new king whose birth is being declared by angels to shepherds. Peace. No separation. No distance. Peace. There is a way and it's in this little baby in a manger in Bethlehem. Go. And so that's exactly what the shepherds do. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. Like, something's going on. Let's go and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has clearly told us about. Verse 16, so they, what's the word? They hurried off. They didn't put a plan together. They didn't call someone in. They didn't call in Lou to come cover their shift. Like, this was like, leave the sheep. Who cares? The Savior of the world has come. Leave your business, leave your life, leave your things, leave it because God is here. And so they left everything and they hurried. They didn't wait. They ran down to find somehow Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Verse 17, when they had seen him, they spread the word. Underline that phrase, spread the word. They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And this is very interesting considering who shepherds are. Considering what we know about them and their place in society, their voice in that world. Look what happens in verse 18. They begin to tell everyone about what they'd seen and what they'd heard. And all who heard it were what? Amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Amazed probably that shepherds were the ones saying it to them. Amazed that God's long-awaited Messiah had come. God's glory had broken in to their lives and now they had a story to share. They had something to talk about. More specifically, someone to talk about. So they begin telling everyone, literally waking people up. You have to imagine the scene. We've made it so nice and comfy, cozy, Hallmark moment. They are running through the streets screaming. We've all been around Chicago on those nights. We know what it's like when things are just kind of crazy outside or there's a parade going on and how insane it is. That's what these shepherds are doing. You can't believe it. The Savior of God has come. They're just running, running, running through the streets. The streets where they were not welcome during the daylight. They're running through at night, screaming, declaring the birth of their Savior. People who are hearing are amazed at what they hear. But verse 19, very interesting moment. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart, saving them for another day. A day where her same son would be On a different piece of wood, where all the prophecies would ultimately come true in Jesus. She knew, somehow, she knew that the birth was just the beginning. And so she pondered these things in her heart, but not the shepherds. The shepherds returned, what's the word there? They returned what? Glorifying. Make sure that's up on the screen when you put it up there. There you go, now you, you can't miss it. The shepherds returned what? glorifying and praising God, literally telling the sheep about what they would seen that night. Glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I love this moment where God's glory breaks through in such an unexpected place to such an unexpected group of people. The highest of the high to the lowest of the low. And what I love about what God does in this moment is that he not only reveals his glory to these shepherds. That would be enough. That would be enough. In that culture, that was already enough. Wait, the Savior of the world has come, and who are the inside? Like, who's his street team? Shepherds? Are you kidding me? Like, that would be enough that it was just shepherds. But God's glory is not only revealed to them, it's actually revealed through them. And these ones who no one would listen to now have the ear of that culture because they have a story to tell of God's glory. It's a fascinating, fascinating moment that God's glory gave them a story to share. The same is true for you and me today. It's no different 2,000 years later. The glory of God, that glimpse, that tangible reflection of God's infinite perfection, when you have any kind of ounce of an experience with that, the glory of God gives you a story to share. The glory of God gives you a story to share. No, not me. You don't know my past. You don't know what I've done. Not me, I, don't, I can't get it straight, I, I keep messing up. Not me, I'm not smart enough, I'm not religious enough, I'm not spiritual enough. Not me, not true. The glory of God gives you and me a story to share. A story to share. A, a, a way to tell and give a, a glimpse of God to a world that desperately needs to hear it. The glory of God gives you and I a story to share. And these kind of glory of God moments can seem sort of very big and spiritual, but lots of times they come in those small, little tangible reflections. They come in those moments where you just get a glimpse of God's goodness. You get a glimpse of God's provision in your life. You get a glimpse of how God literally carried you through to where you thought there'd be no other way I got a glimpse of this this last week. I've talked about in this time before about my small group and how I love this group of guys and how we meet here at Friday morning at 6.30 a.m. every Friday morning. And one of the things we worked through this last Friday morning was what it looks like to extend forgiveness to the people that we've hurt in our lives. What does it look like to work out the teachings of Romans 12.18 which says, As much as it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with others. And so we looked at that phrase, what, as much as it is possible, as much as it depends on us, what does that mean? To ask for forgiveness, to offer reconciliation, to take that step towards those that we've hurt in the past. And so we made a list of the people that we've hurt, and we went around and started sharing that with each other in our small group. And they were all legitimate stories. I mean, like, you know, and some of them were embarrassing. Some of them were a long time ago. Some of them were just as fresh as, like, that morning or the day before. And one of the guys in the group talked about a relationship he has that's been broken for over two years. It's a very close relationship to him. But it's, it's just been shattered. And they've barely spoken in the last two years. And even as he said it, I could kind of tell there was this reluctance of, you know I, know, I know this is the person, but I don't think this is the time. I, I know this is probably what God wants me to do, but I don't want to do it. In fact, in the middle of all the sharing, he says at one point, he goes, I hate Fridays. <laughs> it's like, I know I have to face this. Like, I don't want to have to face this. And so we all kind of shared our stories and prayed for each other and talked about what it would look like to extend those words. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? I'm sorry. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Oh, went on about our days and didn't think much about it. I had my person to talk to. There's a couple. One of them was Jeannie, and, you know, that's the person I love the most is oftentimes the person we hurt the most. And so I kind of had her on my list, and I was thinking, yeah, I need to get to that. I need to, I need to share some of these things with her about how I've hurt her, and she may not even be aware of that. And, but I kind of put that on my bedside didn't really think about it the rest of the, rest of, the rest of the day, or I thought about it, but I just didn't do anything about it. <laughs> and then at night, I get an email from this friend of mine in the small group. He sent it, in fact, to our whole group. He's like, hey guys, I just want to give you an update. I left small group today, basically convinced that, you know, this was impossible. But I made a phone call this afternoon. And we talked for the first time in two years. And I had to say those exact words. He literally wrote them down and said them, I was, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And he said, it took us a little while to kind of work through it, but by the end of the phone call, there was laughter. And a relationship was being restored. not that amazing? Friends, that is a glory of God moment. But this is what I love about this guy in our small group. After he tells this incredible story, he ends the email with, who's next? <laughs> I was like, yes! Had to throw the gauntlet down. So stupid me. I'm so excited when I finally eventually got this email that I said to Jeannie, Jeannie, I have to read you this story about what God has done. And so I read it to her. And she goes, that's amazing. And she knows the guy. She's like, that is so amazing. And then she goes, so what was on your list? (laughs) Shoot! God tricked me! (laughs) And it was a moment where I knew, no, God was inviting me to a deeper glimpse of his love for me and his love for my wife. And so I was able to share, yeah, here's the places that I know that I've hurt you. You know, And I, I told her, Gina, there's so many times in our marriage where I expect you to do everything our family needs while I do it, everything I want. And I'm sorry. That's wrong. Will you forgive me? And what's so amazing is I don't know, I'm being honest, as your pastor or just as a normal person here, I don't know if I would have gotten to that place had this guy in my small group not shared that glimpse of God's glory. I don't know. Whether God tricked me or trapped me or whatever, I don't care. My wife doesn't care because it propelled me into sharing more and more of my heart, my life with my wife and gave us that much more room for God's glory in our marriage. This is what happens when we make room for God's glory in our story. This is what happens. And anytime you have kind of those glimpses of God's glory, there's a phrase that gets usually added to those kind of stories. Now, I've seen it in my own life. Maybe you've seen it in yours. It's two words. You might want to jot these down, but my hunch is you may be familiar with these. If you've gotten these glimpses or paid attention to God's presence in your life, the two words are, only God. Where you get to the end of a story, you go, you know what? Only God. Only God could have restored that relationship. Only God could have forced me to face some of my own selfishness at a deeper level with my wife. Only God could have carried me through that really difficult season. The loss of that baby. The loss of a loved one. The loss of a hope or dream. I felt all alone, but I knew only God was with me. It felt as though only God was with me. Or God comes through and provides for you. And you don't know how to make ends meet. And yet God provides in a glorious way and you're stuck saying, only God. I, I bet we have some only God stories in this room, don't we? I bet if we were to stop and not sort of be in the rush and the busyness of Christmas and all that sort of comes with it as we try really hard to celebrate the presence of God, I bet if we were to stop and be still, we'd have some only God kind of stories. Where we'd say, you know what? Only God. Only God could have carried me through. Only God could have brought around me a group of people. I was with a guy this last week who got transferred and he's moving away. He has to move to Florida. And he and his wife love this church. And his words, without even knowing where we were going this weekend, the sermon, in fact, just moved this weekend, his words, not mine. Only God could have known that we needed to come to a church like this, that we needed a place like this for our marriage, that we needed a vision of what church could be. Only God. I bet we have some only God kind of stories. Those only God stories are these glimpses of God's glory. When you get a sense of God's loving presence, his active love in your life, you have a story to share. You have a story to share. And you have no idea what that glimpse of glory may do in someone else's life. You just have no idea. And what I love about our church is we have, continue to have story upon story that are only God's stories. Only God stories. And if you were here at our two-year anniversary about a month ago, maybe you, you heard some of these. We love telling these stories. I am never ashamed or embarrassed to brag on God, to tell stories of what God has done in our church, because I've never been a part of anything like this before in my life. This is an only God story. So because I have the microphone, I'm going to tell you some only God stories right now. And maybe, maybe it'll clue you into some only God stories in your life. Or at the very least, give you hope that there is a God who is actively present in loving you and revealing his glory in the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. You know, when we set out to start this church, we'd never done that before. We'd never started a church before. But we knew that God was leading and compelling us to be a part of this city. And specifically, we felt led to this neighborhood. And so only God could have reestablished a friendship that we had some 15 years ago with a friend named Dave Van Dixorn who's a part of this church. and God brought Dave back into our life and we told him the story of what we wanted to do and he said, you know, I think I got a guy. And of course, it's Chicago, so everyone's got a guy. You gotta have a guy in the city. <laughs> and so, of course, Dave's got a guy. And he goes, I got a guy. He and his family just bought a whole like, block, like this warehouse building in the West Loop, like right in the heart of the West Loop. Maybe they'd let you use like a corner of it or something. And that was the only God like, oh, God, that would be amazing. And so we met with this guy and started to get to know his family. And we thought, God, if you would provide space for us in this neighborhood and specifically in this place, God, that would be a miracle. And God, we don't know how we're going to pay for it. We don't know how we would even raise the money to be able to get in this space. And friends, it did not look like this when we saw it for the first time. It looked, it looked like a CSI crime scene. It did not look this pretty. And so we thought, God, only God, if you could get us in, if you could provide, if you could make a way. And so we began to talk about what it would look like for us to lease space from them. And what blew us away is after a couple months of getting to know them and praying about the space, literally our team would walk this block and pray for this space. There's nothing we could do, only God they called us out of the blue and said, hey, we've been talking and we've been thinking and we'd love to give you this space rent-free for two years. And I'm telling you, friends, we felt our needs. Only God, only God could do that. Only God could give us what we didn't even know we could ask for. Only God. And so we went to work immediately, knocking walls down and making room for God. Do you know, and this, this did not look like this. In fact, right where I'm standing, there was a dumb waiter, like from the, what the building used to be. It used to be an old car dealership in the 50s. And there was a, a big elevator, like right here in the middle. And every contractor we talked to said, you can't move that. It's concrete. You can't move that. So we just kept talking to contractors until we found one who said we could. And we <laughs> knocked it out. And we made as much room in the space as we could. And what's amazing is God brought back into our lives a friendship from 15 years ago. A guy who now owns a kind of big production company, audio, video, lighting, all that kind of stuff. And he heard the story about what God was already doing and the vision for this church and this neighborhood, for this city. And he said, look, you guys shouldn't have to buy any gear. Let us just give it to you, top-of-the-line stuff, to get your church started. So these TVs, these screens, projectors, these lights, almost all the gear you see in this room, friends, was given to this church when we started. Only God, only God. I was ready to like get some Home Depot work lights and just kind of shine them on the stage. That's all I knew we could do. Overhead projector, whatever. Because when I looked at the bank, I only saw zeros. And so I go, God, only God, only God, only God. And he continued to provide for us. Continued to provide for us. And so we went to work and we tried to make as much room in this space as, as we could. And we knew we wanted to. As God continued to grow our church, we wanted to keep up with what God was doing. And you may be here for the first time or new around here and don't know the story, but this church is is growing. Only God could grow this church. And it's kind of doubled each year. And we're running out of room. In fact, like I said, there's over 20 people sitting in overflow right now. And so we said, you know what, We, we need to figure out what we can do, God, to keep up with what you're doing. And so we wanted to be responsible with this church. And so we we approached the family and we said, look, it's time for us to start paying rent. Let's figure out what that starts to look like. But in the back of our mind, we said, you know, paying rent is fine. And God, if that's the place you're leading us, that's great. But what would be amazing is if we could find a way to purchase this corner to make it our permanent home as a church and to establish ourselves in this neighborhood. And so we began lengthy negotiations with the family of what it would look like. To either do that or to figure out how we could sort of pay rent and and make that happen over a sustainable way. We've committed as a church to not be in debt. And so we were trying to figure out how we can do that without going into any debt. And here's what's amazing. This is an only God story. God moved in the hearts of some people who are part of this church and love this church. And they were able to talk with some friends and kind of get some conversations going. And we were able to actually... Raise enough money, and put together enough of a solid offer. And after praying and pushing and praying and pushing and begging God to do what only God can do, this last Monday they accepted our offer for this church. And this is going to be the permanent home of Soul City Church, which is amazing. And the reason I, the reason I get so emotional about it is because this isn't only God's story. Even how we got here. And what God has done even in and around this space, I think of our partnership with Brown Elementary. That is an only God kind of story. Two weeks ago, a church that I really look to and respect, a big church out in California, called us, called Kurt and I, and said, we've heard so much about what your church is doing with Brown Elementary. You tell us more. Tell us what's happening. And I'm sitting there going, you're calling us? Like, I'm, I have several of your books on my bookshelf. Like, you're calling us. And what was so easy for Kurt and I to say in that conversation, you yeah, know, here's some things we're learning, here's what we're trying. But the place where Kurt and I just kept coming back to is, you know what, only God could do this. Only God could build a bridge across some very real lines. Only God could make it a friendship and partnership with Principal Sadler and to where this would become her church home. In fact, what I love is, in about a week and a half, Brown Elementary is coming to our space again. Just like we're all going to be here together this weekend. We'll, you'll see and get to hang with the families and teachers of Brown this weekend. Just a couple days after the Christmas store, Brown has partnered with Joffrey Ballet and they're doing a Brown Ballet night here in our auditorium, here on this stage. Isn't that beautiful? Friends, that's only God. That's only in two years. That's only God that we would have that kind of friendship that crosses all kinds of lines. Is finding common ground in the glory of God. When I I think about those kind of stories, when I think about what God is doing, and then when I kind of look ahead at what's next, I go, oh God, only God, only God. Because as we are so thrilled to have this space as our permanent home for Soul City Church, what's so amazing is it looks like everything's on track for the deal to close by the end of this year. I mean, that means starting in January, this is the home, Soul City Church. But we're not done. We keep looking to the east. We are praying to the east. (laughs) And we're looking at that warehouse space saying, God, we're going to need more room. We need to make more room. And so God is inviting us into even bigger prayers and more dependence on him. And So we, until then, until God provides or leads us that way, we're looking around at this space going, okay, God, what can we do? What can we do to make more room? To make more room for you and to make more room for others. And so what I'd love for you to do is just to think about that. How is it that we can actually make room to be a part of God's glory being revealed through this church in this city? I want us to start with right where we're at. In fact, I want to put on the screen a picture of our current auditorium. This is that You Are Here map, like at the mall. Just put a red circle wherever you're sitting right now. That's our current Auditorium, And when we moved in here, we moved everything to the best of our ability that we thought we could do to get as many seats as we could in here. And so we packed them in. Clearly, for those of you in overflow, we didn't pack enough. I'm so sorry. But what we've done is our team has got back together and said, what if we could make more room? And so we have caught some folks in our church who are architects and are smart about all this kind of stuff to lay out a new footprint for our church. And so, friends, this is where we're moving over the next couple months is to add 130 new seats to this space so that we can make more room. So we can have 350 folks here, gathering here, so that at least for a while people don't have to sit in overflow. So we can make room, just like someone made room for you. I don't know if you've thought about that, but someone came before you and made room for you in this space. Wherever you're at spiritually, however long you've been coming here, someone beforehand prayed a prayer, made a sacrifice, and made room for you. The seat you're sitting in, do you know that we, That's the first thing we ever did as a church is we were able to, we bought all the seats, but we bought two. We bought seats for here, and we bought them for our partner in Breakthrough Urban Ministries. We said we want to make as much room in this city for God as possible. Someone made a room in this space, and so we have an invitation opportunity to make room here, to actually make this room acoustically work. And I'm just going to leave it at that. We can finally move into this space. We want to make room for more events, community events, like the Brown Ballet that we just talked about our partnership with Brown continues to grow. And our relationship here in the neighborhood continues to grow. And this is becoming a desirable space for folks to come and host events. And so we want to make room, make this space work for that. Not only for Sunday, but to be a church better seven days a week instead of just one. We want to make room around this church for our small groups and groups that continue to meet all throughout the week my small group meets here, maybe yours does too and we kind of cram everyone into this church we want to make sure that we can make room to make it work our kitchen that we have we actually have a kitchen which we never thought we'd be able to say but when we moved into space it was exactly all the stuff in there's exactly what was in here when we moved in and so what we would love to do is because hospitality is such a huge part of our church and creating experiences and moments is such a huge part of our church but we want to make sure that we can make a room that actually functions and more than four people can be in our kitchen at once. We want to make room, friends. And I believe God is inviting every one of us into some only God kind of stories. I believe that God is inviting you and he's inviting me into some only God kind of stories. And so over the next couple weeks, we are going to pray very, very big prayers. And we're going to ask God to move in very big ways. To use us to make room. So we've set a big goal. And you're going to hear about this over the next couple weeks. We've set an only God-sized goal for our year-end giving. A lot of folks kind of give towards the year-end. And maybe you know folks who, they tend to do that out of generosity. Some tend to do it out of tax reasons. Whatever the reason may be, whatever the motive may be, we want to make sure that we can use this season that God has given us and the timing that God has given us to make room in this church. And so we've set a goal of $250,000 to be raised by the end of this year. If that doesn't make you uncomfortable, it should a little bit. That's a big goal. But we serve a big God who's already made room for me, for you, who's revealing his glory through ordinary, everyday people like you and me, who's giving us an only God kind of story to tell. And our hope and our hunch is when we get to January that we'll not have only hit our goal, but that we'll have hundreds of only God kind of stories to tell. And so we've put a website together called letsmakeroom.org, and you'll get more information when you leave. In fact, we have iPads and kiosks and all that kind of stuff that we can literally give today if you feel moved and compelled by God to do so. You can go to the website and learn more about it, hear stories about what God's doing. But what I'd love for you to do as we kind of finish up and wrap up here is to hear a story of a friend of mine named Shaz. She's been coming to this church for a little while now. In fact, several folks who are sitting in this room are here because of Shaz. And so I'd love for you to hear her story and look for the glory of God revealed and the details and the story of her life and what God's been doing. And then we'll wrap it up and end our time here together. Let's watch Shaz's story.
1: I started coming to Soul City in May of 2012. And... I came here because I really, really desperately needed a church home. My church home was at www.joelostein.com in my pajamas every Sunday, and I was fine with that. But I knew, I knew in my heart that I really needed to be around a family of uh, supporters and people that loved me and cared about me and and would pray for me when times were tough. And uh, through a friend, uh, I found this church, and uh, it's just, it's been home for me. What I love about Soul City is that there was room for me to serve. Um, I had always wanted to serve in the community, but I wasn't really being proactive. And uh, after a church service one day, I went to Next Steps, and that really opened up the door for me to serve with Soul City kids and sing in the worship collective and tutor at Brown Elementary. And I'm so, so happy to be on the serving team here. So now I'm making room for my friends Uh, especially a lot of friends that I work with uh, that are hungry for something and they're wondering what this big secret is that's going on in my life and why I'm getting so involved in the church. And I'm like, just come to the church and check it out for yourself. So I'm making room for them to experience God's love and an opportunity to transform. I do it because I love God so much and he's done so much for me. And has opened up so much opportunity for me here at this church. I do it because I want my friends to experience what I've experienced through Soul City. Like Jory and Faith and Samantha. I do it for you guys. And I do it for God. My name is Shaz Campbell and I'm making room. That cool story.
0: Hello, Shaz. And that's, you know, just one story. I know, I know God has more stories to write and more to tell. I know that there are some only God kind of stories that he wants to tell through people like you and me. There's some opportunities, some invitations from God to get a glimpse of how good he is how very real his glory and love is present in our lives. And then, like those first shepherds, to run and tell the world about it. Friends, the glory of God gives you a story to share. That's what gives you a story to share. Where you get the end of the story and say, I don't know how, I don't know why. Only God. Only God. Only God. And so your homework for this week, as we leave this space and put God's truth and God's teachings, we've seen into practice is to find a way for you to share a story of God's glory in your life. To share this week, like to literally share with an actual real person this week, a glimpse of God's glory at work in your life. And I know that I'm saying that that may freak you out for a second. So let me just try to give you a little example of how God used me to do that last night. And then maybe that'll give you some ideas and then I'm going to pray and we're going to sing one more song and we're done. I was at a party last night for our neighbors. It was the second party in a month that I've been at their house. They really like to throw parties. And I love being invited. And so I was there, and our kids were there, and a friend Justin was there, and we were hanging out, and because I've been to a party there before, I kind of knew some of the people there that I didn't know previously, and so I was talking with some of them and began talking to a couple who, uh, you know, we got to that point in the conversation where they said, so what do you do? And that's a really interesting. Like, I could be a real Debbie Downer in that moment, you know? I'm like, <laughs> I'm a pastor. Like, it could really, like, you know, you're a what? Do people get paid for that? What does that even mean? So, so I said, look, I, I'm, I'm a pastor of a church that I deeply love. And my wife and I get to pastor this church, and we get to be a part of a movement of God. And I, I knew where we were going in our message today and God's teaching today I knew the example of the shepherds the lowest of the low running and going and telling the story so I didn't want to hold back a glimpse of God's glory from these folks I don't know where they're at spiritually but I wanted to make sure that I let them know that I'm a part of something bigger than me and so they asked like what does that look like and I was able to tell them. They know the neighborhood really well so I told them where the church was like oh yeah you know I've heard about that and so I was able to tell them stories I just share with you of how God has provided us with the space and what God is doing here And what's so fun is I was kind of getting to the point where I was like saying, you know, think you'd ever want to come? Like I was trying to like get up to that. And I, you know, Christmas is coming. People like to go to church at Christmas. And before I could even get to that point, he looked me in the eyes and he said, I want to come. I want to see. And I was like, yeah, you should. That'd be really cool. And he like looked me now. and he goes, no, I'm going to come to your church. I'm like, I would love for you to come. I would love for you to see, for you to get a glimpse of what God's doing. So fun, a guy, Angel, who's a part of our church, came up this morning. He's like, hey, my friend says hello to you. Angel wasn't even at the party. I'm like, who's your friend? He told me, he reached out to him this morning because he knew Angel was a part of this church. He said, I'm coming to your church. So he's telling everyone he knows he's coming to our church. (laughs) I love that. Because it's not about me, guys. It's not about me. It's not about my ability to tell a story well. It's my availability to point to the glory of God. To just say, hey, only God. Only God. Only God. And so your homework for this week is to find a way to share an only God kind of story. Maybe it'll come for you at work. Maybe there'll be someone where there's just an invitation, an open door for you to point to a God who is greater than yourself. Instead of inserting your own glory into every story, you insert God's glory into the story. Maybe for those of you who are married, what a great exercise for you to do would be to sit down as a couple. And remind each other of the glimpses of God throughout your marriage. And make a list and share your only God kind of stories as husband and wife. Or for those of you who have kids, what would it, what would it look like for you at dinner one, one night this week to just get your kids around the table and say, hey guys, let's share some only God stories. Where, have you, where are some things that only God could do? And to share those together as a family and walk into this Christmas with a greater awareness of God's presence. And to allow God's glory to be shared through your story. God's glory gives you a story to share. And so we want to do that this week. We want to join in what God's doing. Let's make room with this church, whatever it may look like. So what I'd love to do is I'm going to pray for us. And we're going to spend some time just singing a song, one song to God. And then we're going to wrap up and go. But what I'd love to do is uh, have us pray. We're going to do something that we do in our service every week where we give back to God. We acknowledge God's goodness in our life, and so we give back to him. It's part of our worship. It's part of what we do. As we do, I pray that it would stir in your heart, God, what are you inviting me to do to make room for others just as others made room for me? What would that look like? So we're going to give and we're going to respond to God in song, but before we do, I'd ask, would you just close your eyes if you can or kind of drown out anything else around you and just think about the possibility the reality of God's glory in your story. You have a story to share. And it's not really about you. It's about God. And it's not just what he's done for you, but it's what he can do through you as you share the story of God's glory in real ways with people this week. And so, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We invite you into our story. We invite you in even now to stir up names or folks that we know that could use a glimpse of God this Christmas, that could use a reminder of your loving presence. And God, that you would involve us in your story is no different than the shepherds. There's no good reason, God, we should be invited or involved in your story, but yet you choose to invite us in, and to reveal your glory not only to us, but through us. So God, I pray as we walk towards this Christmas, as we respond to you, God, that we be aware of your loving presence like never before, and that we would respond, that we would share, that we would give, that we would experience your presence like never before in our life. So God, I pray that that would happen in my life, in our family's life, in this church, in this neighborhood, and throughout this city, God. Thank you that you have given us a story to share. So help us, God, to have the courage to do so. We pray this in your name. Amen.